Thank you to Contentful for supporting our podcast. I'm Marcelo Lewin, and this is the Contentful Creators Podcast, Season 1, Episode 21. So let's get to it. Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 21 of the Contentful Creators Podcast, where I have conversations with content architects, designers, developers, and other creators who use the Contentful content platform and related technologies to create web experiences. I'm your host, Marcelo Lewin, a Senior Content Solutions Architect and a Certified Contentful Professional. Today, we'll be chatting all about localization, e-commerce, integration, and Contentful with my guest, Diego Lamano, a Senior Web Developer at Ecobee. But before we get started, if you want more podcast episodes, tutorials, webinars, and blog articles, all focus on creating web experiences using Contentful and related technologies, please visit www.contentfulcreators.com. All right, Diego, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Rosalo. Thanks. I'm glad to have you here. I actually found out about you through the Contentful Slack channel. You answered some questions there. And I saw your profile and it said, at the time, I pronounced it Ecobee, but I learned that it's actually Ecobee. And I said, I'm a big fan of the Ecobee thermostat because I own one. So I'm like, I got to have this guy on my podcast, not just because of that, but also that you guys are using Contentful. So welcome. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, like uh, I automatically was like curious. I always like to hear what our customers have to say of our products. Yeah, so it was like very nice to hear like you were like satisfied with what we do and produce. I love it. I totally love it. I'm totally into smart homes. Everything is pretty much, you know, with the A lady. I can't say it because otherwise she'll speak right now. (laughs) But I can turn on all the lights and including your thermostat using the A lady. Anyway, Great product. I appreciate you guys coming up with some good stuff. And in fact, there was some news today or yesterday about, I think it's the Nest. I don't know if you heard about that, but, and this is going to be dated, but the Nest, I guess, had some issues with the thermostat where it won't turn off or turn on. They had some issues. Yeah, we're always like super paying attention to any news that comes from our main competitor. So yeah, yeah. when I heard that, I'm like, oh, thank goodness I have the Ecobee and not the uh, Nest here. So (laughs) yeah, it's like, I mean, but to be fair, I've been on the other side of the story when we have like outages. It happens to everyone. So yeah, it's not fun times. No, of course not. No, and you don't wish it on anybody, right? Because it it just happens. But anyway, as an end user, I was just very happy I could turn on my thermostat, especially as we're about to hit 105 degrees Fahrenheit this weekend. So (laughs) (laughs) you definitely want it. (laughs) Definitely. Anyway, hey, listen, you're a senior web developer at Ecobee. Tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into development and how you got to Ecobee. So, well, yeah, I started like development in a very like I guess like traditional way I did computer science back home and then I when I moved to Canada I started working in different companies here and I landed at Ecobee which has been my place of work for the last three and a little bit years I really love the team there and what we are doing at the software and at the hardware level as well so yeah it's been a very interesting journey through my career switching a little bit from like a very front end engineer to a more full stack and now I'm doing basically full APIs with GraphQL so yeah it's been a very interesting journey, especially at Ecobee. They have provided me with a lot of opportunities to explore newer technologies and things that I want to investigate and do by myself. So as I mentioned at the beginning, you guys at Ecobee, you do like smart thermostats. What else do you do? And what is your tech stack at Ecobee, or at least in the team that you were working with? So I would say like, yeah, we, first we do more than just like the thermostat. The thermostat is our flagship product, but it could be expanded to be like IoT company in, in your home. So we're producing now light switches and 
new cameras as well as and sensors. So we're expanding our lineup of products and hopefully people will feel happy to like welcome us in their house. I feel like we have a lot of different stuff to provide. And in terms of the stack, it changes a lot depending of the team that you are in. But I'm going to talk specifically to my previous team, the word, the one that I work for. I guess like two and a half years, which is like the e-commerce and the dot-com experience. It used to be a classic glam stack and we wanted to do something different, something new, and that is solved a lot of our problems. So we went with the newer brand, the shiny jam stack, where we're using Contentforce or CMS or like basically data layer. Gatsby, it's our kind of like framework for their front end with React. And we have our Shopify as our e-commerce. And I guess across Ecobee, you will find all sort of stuff. We're heavily on JavaScript, I guess, on the web side of things. But yeah, we have all sort of stuff from Go to Java to like anything you can imagine, honestly. I have an interesting question about the IoT products, as you mentioned, IoT. And IoT products, for example, the thermostat, there's content in the display that you can control, right? There's certain things you can do to it and there's content in there. Is any of that powered by Contentful or an external database? Or is that all pretty much hard-coded, quote-unquote, in the devices themselves? So in terms of the device, especially the thermostat, there's a lot of the stuff that are internal. They're like in the part of the firmware. But of course, you can get updates, which you probably have done it already, through like the network and the firmware gets updated. In terms of Contentful, we only use Contentful for our e-commerce and like dot-com experience. Most of our other products in terms of like APIs and databases are running our own kind of like more hands-on environments, depending of like the team, there is going to be stuff that are going to be like very database driven or more like APIs. But Contentful at this moment is only being used for the kind of like marketing and e-commerce material. Okay, well, let's switch to that because one of the big things you've done with Contentful in on your website is localization. As you mentioned, you're in Canada, right? But you've got customers all over the world. So why don't we start by defining localization and how is localization different than and personalization. So yes, like you mentioned, we're a Canadian company, but yeah, we do a lot of business in the United States specifically. I think localization for me is a little bit different than personalization, but I would say like one builds on top of the other. Localization is around the locales that you want to provide some sort of a service. And for me, personalization goes a little bit above and beyond than that. And I will say like an example would be I could have two locales in the case of us, like United States and Canada, but I might want to provide not only just different content for each one of them, but maybe I want to provide content for each type of user. Example will be like you're already a, a recurring user or you're a new user. So for me, that lands more in the personalization layer. But as you can imagine now, you, I need to know where you are, meaning localization, to be able to provide personalization on top of that. So I don't think you can have one without the other. Can localization affect personalization? I'll give you an example. When I go to Amazon, previous things I've watched or purchased, I get at the bottom, hey, you may be interested in this. That's obviously personalization based on my shopping experiences. But maybe that's something that in Canada, they may not like that. In the Canadian site, maybe you want that off. So can localization affect personalization? Yeah, 100%. I believe that there very hand by hand. I will say specifically, if you want to be as a in terms of a company, like you mentioned right now, in terms of Amazon, you the Amazon might have already data 
of you as a customer in the US, but not in Canada. So they're different entities. But even you put it in a very interesting perspective, which is the idea of like maybe different countries have different rules and bylaws and stuff like that, that you might be able to do stuff in one country versus the other. So if you cannot localize your persona or your customer, it's going to be really hard for you to tailor their experience between the two sites and be able to provide and even just like fulfill the law if you need to account for those things. The uh, matrix for an international company between localization and personalization is going to be a nightmare to, first of all, figure out and then finally to implement. Totally. I feel one of the things that we enjoy a lot when we were doing this project and things that we kind of like encounter along the way was like the level of the depth of like personalization and localization how complex can it get especially when you start building something for two locales which is the case that we currently have but you don't want to build that to just like support two locales you want to build it to last and be able to scale so you want to make sure that that infrastructure is capable to get more and more permutations but when you think about that then it's just like oh my god this gets more and more and more complex when I start adding languages different locales and multiple variations so it gets it could get really really complicated but at the same time really interesting engineering problems to solve not only that and we're going to get into shopify later on but when you get into e-commerce and when you say well i can't sell this product in this locale but in that locale and then also different currencies then it really becomes a huge thing right yeah Yeah. depending on the layers that you want to add on top of each other it will get more and more complicated. complicated yeah 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 so let's talk about Ecobee's side and how you're using localization. You mentioned you're in Canada, so obviously you have the ability to switch. But beyond that, what else are you doing with localization and even some personalization? Can you tell us about that? Sure. So right now, the localization, we're mainly using it to be able to provide, like you said, like a different e-commerce experience for each one of our locales, the U.S. and the Canadian market in terms of the currency, as well as like some content that requires to be present for the Canadian or the American market that could be from like copy changes, which is like the classic, like spelling the changes a little bit between the countries to even just marketing pieces that we might want to push initiative that we have partnerships in Canada or in the US and vice versa. So for us, like the ability to make that change is very important. And in terms of the personalization, that's actually one of the things that the team is currently working on right now is around that like A-B testing capability to be able to provide better experience depending on the user. That's something that like we mentioned before, you needed to have the localization built to be able to start experimenting with personalization. So the team just kind of like finished in the last couple of months, the localization piece and the site is finally out. And now they're building all what really marketing wants to start shining and powering, which is that personalization piece for our customers or potential customers. For the personalization side or the A-B testing, as you mentioned, are you using any specific tools? I know that Contentful has some marketplace tools that you can add, but are you using anything specific? or are you guys custom developing it? So yeah, we're using Optimizely's goal that we basically allows us to like do some A-B testing on the fly. But we're experimenting a little bit of uh, different techniques because we deploy our site on Nellify as well. And Nellify gives you the ability to do A-B testing. So we're trying to find the right tuning of when we need to use some sort of like A-B testing versus the other. I think when you want to do something that is more on a big scale, you probably want to bring Contentful into the mix because you shouldn't be doing that on the client side. You want to make sure that you use the power of the Jamstack and get those changes at the build time. And then the CDN just doing the delivery of the two experiences. But when you want to test something that is very like quick and like simple, tools like Optimizely will be able to give you that. 
Well, let's jump into the Contentful side of things. How is a localization handled through Contentful? Well, Contentful has basically localization built in. It's part of like one of the main reasons why we actually decided to go with Contentful when we were building the site. Like I mentioned, it used to be a LAMP stack, classic WordPress site. And we wanted something that it was like localization needed to be a piece that it was like built in in our new CMS. So when we started experimenting with Contentful, that was like automatically a seller for us. You can basically set up Contentful in a very simple way and select your locales, define which one is your default locale, and then build on top of that. Within where you consume the localization with Gatsby using the Gatsby Contentful plugin. And that automatically gives us the information for each one of the possible locales that we have. So from an authoring perspective, let's take it at the beginning at the authoring stage. So once you've set up the locales, right, you go into the Contentful admin and you set up all your locales that you want to support. In your case, I'm assuming it's English and possibly French, I'm assuming, for Canada. Contentful kind of like marries both the concepts of locale and language. So we're able to do English US and English Canada, which is actually something that we really wanted. Right. Because we wanted to expand it in the future, which is like what we're mentioning right now, French Canada or even possible Spanish US. So that ability to have those different changes is something that we really like because at the moment that we are going to start supporting new languages, it's just basically turning that feature on and start adapting our front end. Now, I have a question on that. That's interesting because I played around with locales, but I never, now that you brought that up, I never really thought about this, but it ties the language to the country, the locale in Contentful. So do they have like a Canada English, Canada French, US Spanish? Do they have it like that? Actually, they do. And like, I was pretty shocked with like the amount of options that they give you. I think Contentful put a lot of like thought into creating the options that they're going to give you as part of locales. And at least for us in the markets that we know that we support, which is in this case, it's like Canada and US. And we know those are like the two places plus the, the two languages in each country that we're probably going to be supporting at least in the immediate to medium term, they were there. But we even just started to like, well, what happens if we go to like the UK or like other places like that? And there is a lot of like different options already built in in Contentful. So yeah, like the list is pretty big, honestly. So I know that when you add localization, basically you can localize, not only turn on localization space-wide, right, for the entire space, but you also can turn on specifically or turn off localization on a field level. Is that correct? That is correct. And that's actually one of the things that we heavily use on because the ability to define a default locale, especially for us, that we share basically a language between Canada and the US, but we still want to have some differentiation here and there. So having the ability to turn it off at the field level allows us to, well, if I need 90% of this content coming from my default locale, example US, I can just turn it off for like 90% of those fields. And then just like that 10%, which might be, I don't know, for an example, two fields, I can say those two fields need to have the option to give Canadian translation. And in that way, when Contentful delivers the data through the API, I would get 90% of my content, the default one that I do not have to rewrite because they share the same language. And then for the Canadian side, I will get the just like that other 10% 
with the translation that I want. Of course, if you take these two like a uh, complete two different languages, example, French and English, you probably want to localize every single one of your fields. But for us, the ability to turn it off at this field level, it actually play just perfectly. Yeah, and the way it displays in the admin of Contentful is for if you turn on localization for, let's say, the title field, and you select all the locales you want to support, then it would basically show you three fields for title. Let's say if you have three locales, right? Correct. And actually, I really like the way that Contentful did it right now with the UI because they give you like an option to do it. I don't remember exactly what are the names they use, but basically you can say, show me all the fields for all the locales or just show me the fields for the current locale that I'm seeing. So for an editor, if they want to just like start filling all the content for the default locale and then just turn it on for like to see just the other fields for the other locale, they will be able to see going back to my example, just that 10%. And if they want to put it all together, they will be able to just see, well, okay, these are the two fields that are repeated and then the other field only has a single one and so on and so on. Right. So from the API side of Contentful, when you're pulling data, so are you getting back, let's say, all the titles in all the locales or are you able to say, hey, I'm in the US, give me English, US only? How does that work from the API perspective? And also, which APIs of Contentful support the locales? That's actually when a little bit of the magic happens behind the scenes with the Gatsby Contentful plugin. You use the content delivery or the preview API. So you could connect to either of them and you will be able to pull that information. And then Gatsby plugin does all the translation layer basically that you want to use. And in the case for the users, the, the listeners that might not be familiar with Gatsby, Gatsby provides a GraphQL API so you can interact with your front end and then you decide to what sources you want to connect to. And in this case, Contentful will be our source. And when it connects to the API, transform that into a schema that then we can consume. And going to your question in terms of like how, what do I get? Well, that's actually the beauty of GraphQL. If I want to get all the locales and I want to get all the titles, I could request that to the GraphQL API. If I just want to get a post in English US, then I could do that as well. And this is one of those things that allows your front end to start being like more manageable with the GraphQL layer. And it's one of the, I guess, like the value propositions that Gatsby has. And we really enjoy that like flexibility to be able to connect with the API like easily. Now you mentioned GraphQL, which is cool. And maybe you don't know the answer to this because maybe you haven't worked with it directly, but have you worked directly with the REST API and how is localization handled through there? If I'm not mistaken, I feel the last time I checked the Gatsby Contentful plugin actually connects to the REST API from Contentful. It does not connect to the GraphQL API. They might have changed that, but at least it used to be like that. And the main reason was because originally Gatsby didn't provide the ability to like almost like schema stitching, which is like connecting a GraphQL API endpoint with their GraphQL API endpoint. So there will be two GraphQLs. They needed to do the translation from a REST to a GraphQL. Maybe they already changed it. If they did, Props to them. But yeah, I think that's last time I checked it was like that. Now, from a authoring perspective, if you have, let's say, three or four localizations and you have the main authors being, let's say, we're in the US and the main authors write it in English, is there an ability to use roles to open it up to just, let's say, translators? Let's say you want to open it up to Spanish, right? And you just want to outsource that and have somebody outside the US do that, but you only want to give them access to just 
the fields that are just Spanish. Is there an ability to do that? There is ability, but that's actually one of the things that we are like not so happy with Contentful and it's because of mainly from the pricing, the way that they do it. We are right now a little bit limited with the amount of roles that we have. So we basically have like a developer role that has like all the permissions and we have an editor role. And I think we have an admin role. I remember what's our third one. If you want to get more roles and get more granular, like you're saying, you need to bump your, basically your pricing plan. And for us, that's uh, at the moment, it's not needed. So it doesn't justify the price, but it's something that we really would like to get there because you could do exactly what you're saying. As like, I am an editor that maybe, let's say, for example, in the case of Ecobee, I might have like people that are like just marketing and they want to just touch specific marketing pages. I will be able to give them the ability to change those content models and those specific pages. But then if I have someone that is handling more of like, let's say the press or the blog, they could just target in that side as well. And I can give that permission more granular. Got it. Yeah, we could do it. It might work, but that's because we have the enterprise version. So obviously you guys don't have the enterprise version. I think at the enterprise level, if I'm not mistaken, is where you start doing or have the ability to have custom roles. Correct. Which is like we have been in conversations with Contentful before and they have like been like, I guess, like very like willing to like work with us and figure out how we can get a better partnership. It's just that at the current stage of like the amount of people that handles the Ecobee.com site, it's not justifiable basically yeah. to pay the price it's a big uh, jump I, for sure exactly which is what i said like it's one of those things that we're not like super happy the way that the pricing model works but i kind of understand that this is like common for like companies so yeah and we've seen changes through the like the free community version now so maybe they'll decide to open up some custom roles for lower tier levels in the future who knows we'll see yeah. yeah i was actually super happy with that change that they did because i feel for a small projects it's fantastic yeah exactly i could i would not doubt to like use contentful for those small projects because now i have that ability it was a very smart move yeah definitely totally so how are assets localized because okay we've covered all the fields right that's all text you have multiple fields with for each language you can easily translate that but what about assets what about an image that may be okay in the u.s may end up being offensive in canada or vice versa. Yeah, so again, props to them. Like this is actually one of the things that Contentful has built from the get-go. Contentful automatically has the ability to localize any image that you have. And you basically, when you create an image asset inside the Contentful panel, if you have localization activated in your space in general, they will give you the ability to upload a version of the same asset for that specific locale and for as many locales as you have. We heavily use that for our site because at the moment, moment that the GraphQL connects to Contentful and we pull that data from the CDN, we get the version that we need. The only work that we did on top of that, Ecobee is very committed to make the site accessible. The amount of fields that you get from the base asset, it was not enough for us to provide the level of accessibility that we wanted for all our images. As you can imagine, a marketing site Depending of the image, depending of the location, you might want to provide more accessible content. If this is part of a blog, if it's just a decoration, you might have different stuff. And we basically wrap the image asset with a content model that we basically almost call it like enhanced image that just allows us to provide all that extra data and localized data. So if we want to name an image and give them a different description for a user that is a visual impaired, I could do it in both languages and provide 
two different assets as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So that brings me to the other part that needs to be localized, which is branding. So I'll give you an example. Let's say your site is in the US and it's July 4th. You want to brand it to the sort of July 4th, but you also have audience in Canada and you want to do Canadian Day July 1st. So you want to brand it to that, but you're not going to bring on July 1st in the US and vice versa for Canada on July 4th. Can you localize branding? Totally. I think that's one of the reasons why we like Contentful a lot is they don't want to determine the way that you handle your data. It's like, we're here to provide you models and you define them how you want. And that's why you can get clever the way that you define your models in Contentful. And for us, basically, each one of the pieces of the site it's what we call a block. And then the block could be anything, could be a form, could be a hero, could be a piece of content. And then at that moment is where localization shines because we basically say, okay, well, the editor could go to, let's say, our homepage and on July 1st, they go and they only change that block for the Canadian site and they make it look for the Canadian market the way that we want. And then we can take it down later and then the same we could do it for the same block, but for the US on July 4th and so on. It's up to you basically how flexible you want to build those content models. And then because localization is built right in the system, you can turn it on basically on every single piece that you want and start consuming it in your front end. Well, let's jump into the fourth piece, right? We talked about text. We talked about assets. We talked about branding. The fourth and final piece is really e-commerce and your shopping cart and your products, right? You need to localize those. Now, you guys integrated Shopify and Contentful, correct? That's correct. That's our e-commerce layer, I guess. Yeah. So tell us about that integration. What was that like? Contentful has a bunch of apps that you could use to bring the data from other sources. Example, Shopify. The problem that we had in there was like, you can only connect to a single store. And as you can imagine, because we have been talking about localization for like a while at this point, we don't have one store. We have more than one store because we need to serve two different markets. So at that moment, the app route, it automatically was like not feasible for us. And the way that we ended up doing is be basically the build time when we're using Gatsby and everything to connect the two layers. We connect with Shopify on one end and we connect with Contentful on the other end. And we basically wanted to make sure that there was a clear differentiation between the marketing information, basically product prices and like taxes and stuff like that, that you want to make sure that you have a single source of truth, leave where they are charged. In this case, Shopify. But I want to make sure that all my fancy, good looking marketing pieces live on Contentful, which is like my CMS. And then we did a bit of a, like a data massaging to basically do that relationship between them. And we end up creating a product content model in Contentful that has the relation between which product on Contentful at everything marketing related connects to a product on Shopify. And at the build time, basically we put the two data all together and we present it to the user as a single piece. I want to explore that more from the back end. Did you initiate the entry in the Contentful site and then plugged in whatever ID you got from Shopify? Or did Shopify push the content into Contentful using, let's say, the CM API, inserted the ID of Shopify product and that's how you made. I, I'm interested in finding out how you made that connection between your Contentful entry and your Shopify product. Totally. That's where we basically use another of Contentful tool set. And we end up creating a custom extension, basically an extension for a field. We grab a JSON field that 
it connects to the Shopify API and basically understands which one of our IDs like you're saying. And in that way, the JSON ends up being just a single JSON payload that it has that matching that I'm talking about. We wanted to do it in that route, the way that just like we ended up creating the custom extension because of what I said before, the one that is in the market serve a single store. And for us, we needed more than one store. So we basically took that as an inspiration. It was like, well, I could do the same thing with a custom extension, but just for us, it's definitely less fancier and like good looking, but it gets the job done. I love that. So what you're saying is your author went into Contentful, created the product, and then you have a field, the JSON field, that brings up basically the ability to pick the actual product from Shopify. And by doing that, you made that connection at that point. Exactly. So right now, like it almost looks like a drop down type of thing that is just like it tells you the name and then that automatically ends up outputting just an ID. And that ID is what we use across the system to know, okay, well, that image in Contentful that it might be like the very good looking thermostat image relates to that product on Shopify. Right. So on your front end, when you're pulling the product ID, you also go to Contentful with the same Shopify ID and go, hey, give me the marketing information for this product based on this ID. Exactly. Yeah, that makes total sense. I love that. Very good. So how did you localize the actual products? Was that done in Shopify or was that done? It sounds like it was probably done on both ends, I would imagine. Yes, actually, this is one of the moments where the strange decisions from the Shopify end end up playing good on our side. Shopify does not allow you to have multiple currencies for a store. You could technically have like a store that accepts multiple currencies, but the store is a single store. In this case, let's say a US store. So for us, we needed to have two different stores. And that's how the site used to be forever. Actually, you used to go to a different URL, which was a Canadian store and a different URL for the US store. Now, when we're doing that data massaging and we're connecting those IDs that we were talking before, we basically say, okay, I have a localization on Contentful that is a product that can accept two different IDs and one connects to a Shopify Canadian store and the other one connects to a Shopify US store. And because that product that we created, that custom field that we created on Contentful knows that it's the same product, it just has two different IDs because one correlates to a single look to one locale versus the other. When we build that in the front end, that strange situation that it used to happen before where a user lands in a different shop and so on, it's all abstracted from the user. So the user just sees a single site that it has probably like some sort of localization in the URL, but the data seems seamless. They don't know that this is coming from... It's all done on the back end. Exactly. It's all done at the moment that we build it and we ship it to the client. I see. So on the Contentful side, you said you're holding two pieces of ID. When the user attaches a product from Shopify to the product in Contentful, are they doing that for each locale? So you have, let's say, a field for US product in Shopify, a field for Canada product in Shopify, and they have to connect that? Yeah. So we wanted to give the editors the more freedom as we can, especially because sometimes when you want to for example, this is a product that is not going to be longer in stock or you don't want to like, let's say that we have our, our newer version of our thermostat or newer version of our camera and we're going to put in the other one out of the market. We wanted to make sure that the marketing and the editorial people will be able to swap the products at will. So in the case that they will have to technically at the moment might have two same products existing on Shopify, 
they will be able to swap it and it will seamlessly look. And at some point, you just need to remove the other product from Shopify and everything should look the same without having to worry about like, well, I removed it here. I didn't remove it there because sometimes some of our products stay longer in one market versus the other. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, when you add a product to a card and then let's say you go through the checkout, there's messages that happen across the system as you add the product, as you fill out the information, as you check out, and then emails are sent or text messages, right? Like when I buy a Best Buy, I get a text message saying, hey, we're putting your purchase together here. So how is that handled from your perspective from a localization perspective, is it handled on Contentful side, on Shopify side, or a mixture of both? I'd say the majority of that is built on the Shopify side, specifically because Shopify has a lot of tooling around it already. Because as you can imagine, there are e-commerce platforms, so they already thought about a lot of these things. However, the shopping cart is something that we did entirely custom. We're using the Shopify SDK to connect with our API. And we basically can create checkouts using the API, like if you will do in a regular Shopify site. But everything that we do on the front end is all done custom by us. So we can enhance it with that data, that marketing data that I'm talking, that it comes from Contentful. And at the moment that you just decided to go and do the checkout, we send you directly to Shopify and we let Shopify handle it at that point, because that's where we want to use the power of the tool, which is like you handle the customer checkout, you handle the stock, the tax, all that kind of stuff. That's all that data is handled on Shopify. We want to make sure that it stays there. If at any moment the user comes back, we maintain the session in our front end and the shopping cart basically connects again to the API and rebuilds the shopping cart and it shows the same data until you do the full checkout. I see. That makes a lot of sense. Now, speaking of shopping cart in your database model, does a user belong to the Ecobee sites or does a user belong to a specific locale? And the reason I'm asking this is because I'm heading towards, let's say, the shopping cart session. And how do you maintain sessions across locales. So for example, if I log in the US version and then switch to Canada, is my shopping cart gone? Yeah. So one of the very like interesting pieces that we built in this project, it was like, how do we handle the shopping cart in general? It's a very interesting piece to build as a UI. And we ended up using state machines. If people are not aware of them, it's a way to basically handle state in your application. It's a very interesting topic to dive in, but it becomes because we use state machine, what allows us to understand every single one of the possible states that the shopping cart was going to be. And the user, the shopping cart experience is all maintaining local storage. So we know everything that they had in there. At the moment that a user changes the locale, basically we connect to the Shopify API and we create a new shopping cart for you. The same way that it will happen if you go, for example, to Amazon.com or Amazon.ca. At the moment that you switch the locale, your cart, it's a new cart. And that's what we do as well, because we want to make sure that the user does not now think that their prices are the same, because of course, it's a different currency. However, if for whatever reason, the user decides to come back to their previous locale, we will basically restore all that information from local storage and the state machine will kick in again and rebuild the entire state of the shopping cart, showing you all the information that you had before. The only way that that information gets clear is either if you go through the full checkout process and at that moment when we connect to Shopify, Shopify tells us that that order is already completed. So we clear the state machine, we clear the car and we show you a new car and we basically create a new order or because the session has been there for a period of time, but we consider it's enough and we basically tell Shopify, look, this is a, a order that never was completed. And at that moment, 
is when you get those things that you were talking about emails and messages, the classic is like, Hey, like we saw you that you didn't complete this order. Do you want to make sure that you want to complete it? That kind of stuff. Yeah. Those creepy emails. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, just, that's what I put that tone of voice because they right. always sound like that. Exactly. Right. It's like we've been looking at what you were doing. Uh, yeah. Do you want to continue? Exactly. Um, that very creepy. So no, that totally makes a lot of sense. Plus you can also have a product in your shopping cart in the U S that when you switch to Canada, it's not available that product, right? in Canada, let's say. Exactly. It's a very common scenario, especially because the stock also changes in between the countries. Like there's a lot of uh, variations. That's when you start seeing that initial thoughts that we were talking at the beginning of the podcast, that is like localization on top of personalization on top of e-commerce. It gets really complex and you start seeing that the tangents are like insane, the amount of them they can exist. Yeah, totally. I have a couple of final questions for you. I don't know. Can you have a couple of final questions? Usually a final question is just a question right? It's the final one, but I'm going to give you a couple of final questions. That's fair. So far, we've been giving the user the choice to switch locales on the website. So if I'm in US, I can switch to the Canadian one and see everything. Is there an ability to not do that? In other words, if I'm in the US, I'm going to see US only and I will never know that there is a Canadian version. And if I'm in Canada, vice versa. So we don't want to hide that from our users in general. It's something that we have never put as a, as a business perspective, I guess. But we do a lot of optimization inferring where you are. The team did a lot of work trying to figure out how we can localize the user. So we use some tooling to understand based on your IP, your previous session. So we always try to infer what it is the locale that we think you want to be in. However, if at any moment you want to change your locale, you can do it and you will clearly see that in the URL and you will be able to just like do the other side. At the moment that you go to the checkout, that's when we're probably going to be like, hey, FYI, you're buying in Canadian dollars and you're probably going to see a higher shipping rate if you're in the US. But in general, we don't want to like block that just because it was something that we never thought that it was like necessary. However, we want to make sure that the user always or the majority of the time ended up landing in the locale that we think is the right for them. Yep, makes a lot of sense. So from a big picture perspective, if somebody is embarking on localization for their website or their app or whatever, what is the most important thing? I mean, there's a million important things, right? But what is the most important thing they should consider before they even think about localization? First, don't probably do the mistake that we did originally, which is like handle everything in your client. It gets messy and you don't want to do hiding things with CSS and JavaScript and then show it. And it's just, it gets really complex. So try to avoid that. I will also say, think about the architecture and like the data layer and how you're going to actually set it up. Things like contentful content models, where's the data coming? In the case of prices, where the prices are coming, like actually put this as a big picture to understand really all these different tangents that I was saying before. This is the project that for us, we did a probably a couple of like one or two months of like exploration just to understand how do you do this right? So yeah, take that time, basically like lay everything down as much as you can and then start like implementing because the last thing that you want to do is like start like stitching plugins here and there and then you end up with a Frankenstein that it does not fulfill any one of your needs and you have to start like hacking everything. Fantastic tips. Well, Diego, unfortunately, we're completely out of time. I do want to thank you for being on the podcast today. You've been a wealth of information and super fun to talk to. So thank you. Oh, thanks to you for having me. Yeah, it was fun, man. And now if people want to get a hold of you, do you want to give some sort of URL or Twitter, whatever you like? Sure, you can find 
find me anywhere, basically, as like Diego Lamagno. Probably, I guess, like the show notes will be easier to get the spelling. Yeah. Any social media and Twitter are like mostly there, like talking about like coding stuff. And if not just that, just head up to like ekb.com and you will see all the hard work that we put in there. Yeah, definitely. And we'll put all those links on the show notes as well. So thank you so much, Diego. And to the rest of you, I'm glad you were here with us. Just a quick reminder to visit www.contentfulcreators.com for more podcast episodes, tutorials, webinars, and blog articles. So until the next episode, I'm your host, Marcelo Lewin. Cheers, everyone. Oh, 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 o